Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I want to start this morning by actually putting a photo on the screen. And actually, I would be really shocked if anyone in this room would know who this is. Anyone know who it is? Uncle Johnny, yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe Susie, who's not here as a doctor, may know who it is. Um, but she's not here, so can't, can't get that read. But this guy's name here is Dr. William Harvey. Dr. William Harvey and Arthur Schlesenberg did a top 10 list of most influential people in the last thousand years. And guess who was on this list? Dr. William Harvey. And yet, like you, I had, up until this week, no idea who he was. I mean, imagine being one of the most top 10 most influential people in the last thousand years, and no one knows who you are. Let me tell you who Dr. Harvey is real quick. Dr. Harvey is a physician or was a physician back in the 1600s. And before Dr. Harvey, who was also a professor of medicine, did a, a, a discovery that he would, would, would come across, people really didn't understand how blood worked in the body. I mean, they, you could go and look, and there's some kooky things out there that people believed when it came to health and blood and your heart. And Dr. Harvey discovered that actually that blood, right, pumped from your heart to the rest of your body. Dr. Harvey is the one who gets credit for coming up with how we study cardiovascular medicine now. He actually discovered that your heart is the center of your body, and that out of that flows blood to the rest of your body, your brain and your arms and your legs, because up until this point, no one understood it. He completely changed medicine, completely. And what's interesting is he discovered that the heart is at the center of your body medically, physically, and yet we know, because of God's word, that the heart is at the center of you spiritually, spiritually. So I want to ask you this morning, uh, just a simple question. As you walked in here today, how's your heart? How's your heart? I hope this summer your heart has had time to rest and renew. I hope you're coming in here this morning with joy and peace, and that you'll use the next week or two before school starts to just take a deep breath and go into the fall. Hopefully that's where your heart is. But also know that there are a lot of people in this room that walk in here this morning with a heavy heart. A heavy heart. There are people in this room today that they have close family members going through cancer. They've got members of their family, maybe grown kids, that have gone through a divorce. There are people that come in here every week that are stressed and overwhelmed. I mean, anyone battling anxiety? Look, I'll be honest, guys. I started studying this and preparing for this a few weeks ago, and this week, this week, my week has been difficult. Wednesday, I, I head home before Wednesday's in the Word. I call my wife, and I say, hey, Katie, how are things going? She, she's like, everything's great. Me and the kids went to some friend's house. We're going to go to the pool. And then 30 minutes later, she calls me back and says, I'm coming home. I'm sick. She ate something at lunch that then would turn into a really rough night for her because she got food poisoning. The very next day, the storm rolls in this area, and we didn't lose power, but 
We lost multiple trees and limbs in our yard. In fact, that's actually where my family is right now at home, meeting with tree specialists uh, to come and clean all that mess up because there are parts of our neighborhood that you can barely drive down. Not to mention yesterday, I, I go to paint, we have a sunroom, and I go to paint our sunroom, and I'm on a ladder, and I'm about 20 feet up in the air, and I've got the little pail that's hooked to the ladder. And I've painted for like an hour and a half already. And I'm up, and I'm painting, and I look over, and there goes the pail, right off the ladder, to hit the floor, and it sprays paint everywhere. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Is it because I'm preaching this week? Like, what is going on? And yet... Man, those are honestly, those are first world problems. But it still weighs on my heart. It still does. So this morning, how's your heart? How's your heart? See, we're walking through this summer series in the book of Proverbs, and we're thinking about how do you walk with wisdom. And this morning, what we're going to look at is this idea that everything really flows from our heart, that, that our heart is the center and because we have that intently, everything else is going to go through it. So turn over to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And if you don't have your Bible, we'll put the text on the screen. And actually this morning, I'm going to be reading from the CSB version. My Bible is actually the ESV, but just hang in there because it all, it all works together, okay? So Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it is is the source of life. Source of life. Let me ask you, what do you guard? What do you guard? You guard things that are valuable. If I came up to Dustin and I said, hey Dustin, I want you to take this pen home with you this week, and then I want you to watch it, and I want you to bring it back to me next Sunday. I want it to still be able to, to write, and I want it to be able to, to use it. Uh, hopefully, Dustin would do that. I, I trust you. I think you probably would. Uh, but honestly, I doubt most of his week he'd be thinking about my pen, right? He'd probably just put it and go, oh, i got to remember to bring the pen, all right? But if I told Dustin to take my pen and guard it, and if he brought it back next Sunday, I would give him a million dollars, how do you think he would guard my pen? Probably pretty seriously, right? Like he would be mindful of it. He'd be thinking about it. He would be on guard, right? Because why? Because the value of the pen changed. See, we guard things that are valuable, right? We guard things that are valuable. And, and the author of Proverbs here is saying, listen, this isn't a suggestion. This is an imperative, it's a command. Guard your heart. The SV says keep it. It's this idea of being watchful over it, right? To stand guard, to be serious, to, to be mindful, to pay attention because your heart has value. I remember a, a, a time last year where uh, two members who used to go to this church named Scott and Carrie Bauma asked Katie and I to watch their little dog, Maze. He was like, he's about this big. He's tiny. He's cute. He was a puppy at the time. And we're like, sure, we've got a couple of dogs. Bring Maze. I mean, how much trouble can he be? And so Scott brings him to our house Friday night, and we kind of take it in, and, and, and we play with him. And the next morning, early in the morning, I hear Maze crying, and I'm like, man, I've I, I got to take him out to the bathroom. So I take him downstairs. It's like early, early in the morning on a Saturday. And I go to to get Maze, and I'm like, come on, Maze, and so I'm trying to get him to come to the door, so I kind of crack the door and try to get him, like, incentives to come, so he comes running down, and before I could leash him 
before he was going out to the bathroom, May just sparks out the door, just runs and takes off right down our neighborhood. And here I am at like 6.30 in the morning. I don't even think I had shoes on. And I'm running, Maze, Maze, Maze. And I'm chasing him down our neighborhood. And I can't find him. And so I call Katie because, you know, that's what you do. And, and so I'm like, hey, come out here and help chase the dog. And so she rolls out of bed. And here we are running down our neighborhood. It's barely light outside on a Saturday morning crying out for this dog. We finally found him. And you know what I look like there? A fool. <laughs> I look like a fool, right? Running down the street with no shoes, yelling at a dog that early in the morning. I can't imagine what my neighbors thought of. But you know what? That's what happens when you're not intentional. That's what happens when you're not being mindful. That's what happens when you're not guarding or being watched for or keeping something in front of you. See, I just kind of thought, ah, it's fine. And yet, because in that one moment, I took my eye off the ball and ended up looking like a fool. That's what the author of Proverbs here is getting at. He's saying, guard your heart. Guard it. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Wisdom says guard your heart. That's what we're getting at. It's a wise thing to do. It's a command, right? And he's saying, guard your heart. It's got value. The Hebrew word here is, is lev. It's this idea that the heart is everything. See, in, in that time, they didn't separate the heart and the mind. Right? It was all one thing. So your heart is really the place where, where your intellect and your emotions and your attitude and your being, it's all together. It's where fear and joy uh, come in. It's where discernment uh, is. It's, it's the one center place. Tim, Tim Keller says it this way, that the heart here, what they're describing is the real you. It's the real you. So we are to guard it because it's important because it's representing the true version of who you are. And not only are we to guard it, see what the author of Proverbs here, he says, guard it, that's the command, but how do we do that? Above all else. Above all else. Right, there's a way we are to do it. It's like, it's like when a dad pleads with a child, please, please do this. Like, it's almost like you can hear the author begging, please do this. Why? Because for it is the source of life. You guard it because it's valuable, because that's what life, I think the ESV says it's, it's from what flows, the springs of life flow out of the heart, right? So yes, guard it. It's a wise command. It's a passionate plea. It's right. It's, I love what, what Wayne Grudem says. He says, our inward spiritual or moral life will determine the course of our life. Whether it will be a life that knows God's blessing, there's wisdom and favor, or not. Or not. So we are to do this intently, intentionally, with all we have, we are to guard it. A wise way to live is carefully guarding what I allow to influence my heart, because out of my heart flows the springs of life. That's what the author of Proverbs is getting at here. It all starts and flows with your heart. So let's go back to our text. That's verse 23. That's the, that's the thesis. That's the, the main point, right? That's the, the big idea is, is guard your heart, right? Because it's important. It's valuable. But honestly, how do you do that? 
How do you do that? Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life, verse 24, and don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil, right? It's, it's this idea, right, that, that what comes into your heart, what influences your heart is going to come out of that. And there's some markers here, there's some practical applications here that the author of Proverbs is getting at, right? He's actually getting that there are things in our life that can influence our heart, influences our heart. I love what Vance Pittman says here. He says, the influences I allow in my heart affect everything about the life I live, right? Not just the Christian life, everything, everything. So let me ask you this morning, what are you allowing to influence you? What are you allowing to influence you this morning? Before we moved to Atlanta, we lived in a small town in Tennessee called Winchester, Tennessee, and, and it's just a different place than this, guys. It, no better, no worse, um, but it was different. I mean, no one did travel sports in Winchester. Restaurants weren't open until one or two o'clock on a Sunday because it was a different place. And so the influences that they had were different than the influences we have here in Alpharetta. And so here's the thing. There are things that we're going to do every day in our life, little by little, that are going to shape us, mold us. And they're almost like little seeds planting in our heart. And if we're not mindful of those things, if we're not guarding against those things, then what goes in the heart is ultimately going to go out of it. So wisdom says, pay attention. Pay attention here. So let me give you these practical examples here we see in the rest of the proverb. Verse 24, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk deviously, right? I think the ESV says crooked speech here, right? It's this idea that wisdom would state that we need to be careful how we communicate. We need to be careful how we communicate, Right? If we're not careful, the way we communicate, the way we speak, the what we listen to can shape and change who we are. I mean, we really have to guard against it. That's what they're saying. The, the wise, wise people pay attention to communication. Listen, I, I teach this the, 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 at, the, at, the, at the heart of bad communication is lack of trust. Right? I mean, if you, if you just communicate poorly what it can do, and just in that can hurt trust, hurt credibility. Right? Think about relationships. If, if me and my wife are not communicating well together, then it starts hurting and eroding the trust we have in the relationship. And over time, if you don't have trust, honestly, guys, you don't have a relationship. I mean, I think, again, practically, this is true. We know this. So how we speak to each other matters. Honestly, how we speak to one another, especially within the body of Christ, matters. Right? So the practical warning here is, listen, don't have crooked speech. 
Don't have devious speech, right? This word devious here is, 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 is referring to things like, listen, in our time, it's like foul language or dirty jokes. Or how about this one? Making or, or joking, making fun or joking about someone just to build yourself up a little bit. I mean, look, we, we can do this. I can do this in a text message, right? I just kind of throw a barb at someone and kind of joke and joust, and it's all in good banter. But if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, those things can start shaping and influencing my heart. And so the author of Proverbs says, wise people put away those things, right? I mean, honestly, what those things can start leading to is gossip and slander and division. I mean, I get it. I get it. Man, we all have friends and, and people we know that we kind of like to get out a little bit, right? I mean, anybody got a crazy family member? They go and like, they, they go to a family function and then leave and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, can you believe that? Right? Like, I, I understand the humor out of it, but that's where the enemy is so crafty. It's in those small little things, small little things that, that they can start twisting and shaping our heart. And guys, listen, I'm not being legalistic here. I'm not saying you, you, you're perfect in this sense, but it's a wisdom issue is what the author of Proverbs here is getting at. So let me give you a verse real quick. kind of It's a good measuring stick on your, how we communicate. And I'm going to put it on the screen here, okay? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commemorable, if there's any if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me ask you, the way you speak or what you listen to, does it follow those things? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? I mean, that's just a good little measuring point for your heart. Right? Because bad communication can lead to destruction. But let me give you an example of what good communication can do. There was a, a, a British anti-slave activist and, 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 and honestly a theologian named uh, William Wilberforce. And Wilberforce lived in the late, teen, late 1700s, early 1800s. And in, in 1789, William said, you know what? I've had enough with slavery. I'm going to go after this with everything I can because it is the right thing to do. He was shaped by the gospel. And so he goes after it, and eventually, eventually, British Parliament passes and ends slavery in Britain. And as this happens, he's, he's speaking, and he's giving sermons and speeches, and this is resonating with people, and that communication goes all the way across the pond to here in the United States. And so... It starts shaping and influencing people here. Guys like Frederick Douglass and others are, are, are quoting him and, and reminding people of things that he said about, about being uh, anti-slavery. And eventually it makes its way to some pastors who use his sermons, literally just reads them, to their congregation in Kentucky. And honestly, at the time, it's probably like one of the few Baptist churches in Kentucky at the time that was anti-slavery. And yet there are two members of this church that are hearing these sermons named Thomas and Nancy. And they're sitting under the weight of this, and they're learning it, and their young son's doing this. And then eventually, eventually, it starts resonating with this family. 
to the point where their son would go out to his friends. Now, he's a, he's a, he's a kid, and he would stand and rec- excuse me, recite these sermons and speeches to his friends. I bet he didn't have a lot of friends, but, but he was telling these things to, to an audience. And it was shaping who he was. It was shaping who he was, and eventually it would come to be fruitful. Nancy and Thomas' son was a guy named Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, who would go on to help, obviously, end slavery in the United States. It was William Wilberforce and others in Britain. It was their speeches and their communication that would eventually end slavery in Britain, but also impacted influence and end slavery in America. That is the power of words. So is your speech honorable? Is it true? Is it just? Let's go back to Proverbs. It says, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, excuse me, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward and fix your gaze straight ahead. So the first one is how we communicate. The second practical application here is simply this, what you look at, what you look at, right? It's dealing with our eyes. We live in a time where we have access to see almost any, anything instantly, right? We have, we have things like this or our phones where we can take out and we can literally, we can just search it and we have access to see it, right? We live in an era where the internet is one of the most powerful, influential tools ever, ever. And I'd I'd add social media and streaming services, stuff like that within that. I mean, after all, you know, we can can trust the internet, right? Uh, I I was joking with Eric. I heard a story one time about a governor in Texas, and and he said, the governor said, you know what, we're going to ban, we're going to ban learning Spanish in Texas schools. And so we went on this campaign, and the media asked him, they said, sir, why in the world Why in the world would you ban kids from learning Spanish in Texas? And he said, if English is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for Texans. (laughs) Right? I mean, honestly, that's kind of like the internet. Right? You can just believe everything. No, you need to be careful. You have to be mindful. You have to be on guard with what you see when it comes to things online. Right? I mean, we're bombarded bombarded with just information constantly. We live in an attention economy now where people are trying to get your eyes on their products. And sometimes those are harmless, but sometimes they're not, right? I mean, on average, on average, the average American spends about six hours a day looking at a screen. Six hours a day, right? And yet, if you poll Christians, especially Christian parents, and I think of this with my own two kids, 85% of Christian parents say they're concerned about how much time their sons and daughters are spending on a screen because they understand the power of this. I mean, at the end of the day, listen, the right tool in the wrong hands can be destructive. But I think about planes, right? Airplanes are a good thing. Right? They can take us to and from. Right? They're amazing. The technology is absolutely mind-boggling that we have planes that can fly us anywhere around the world. And yet on September 11th, the right tool in the wrong hands became destructive. Because that's like the internet. 
It's a good tool, but the enemy can use it for, <clears throat> for evil. And so I want to just quickly give you a couple practices in my own life. These are not even on the screen. I asked Katie, I said, what are some guardrails we put in our marriage to help keep our eyes focused straight ahead? And, and a few for us is simply this, some guardrails for us is, number one, she and I, neither of us together or alone, will look at anything with nudity. We just don't want it. It helps me keep my eyes focused on her beauty, right? And listen, that's not easy. It's not like temptation just goes by. Like, like we keep our eyes focused on that. So it's a, just a best practice for us, right? The second way is we have access to everything together. So social media, passwords and usernames, text messages, you name it. If she wants to see it, she gets to see it. If I want to see it, I get to see it. Again, it's just the best practice to keep us above reproach. The third thing we try to do is we, we obviously have access together to all our finances. I don't have a bank account and she doesn't have a bank account. Like, like we have access together. There's no way I could go spend money secretly on like a second family without her knowing. I can't spend $5 without her knowing. And it's not that she's checking up on me. She's not going, oh, you went to Chick-fil-A today. Like, that was, it's not like that, okay? It's just a best practice, right? It's a guardrail for us that there's no hiding money or no hiding our finances. And the last one for us is, honestly, we spend some time fasting, right? I think Dustin preached on this last year where, where a good best practice is an hour a day off screens, off your phones. Maybe a day a week, you're not getting on your screens. You put it away. Maybe one week a year, you're not getting on it at all. Maybe when you go on vacation. Because it just helps reset your mind. Honestly, what it does when it comes to Proverbs is it helps guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because at the end of the day, we're tempted. We're tempted on these things. I love this, this idea about setting our gaze straight ahead. And I heard one, one person say this week, is your media diet enriching your time with Christ or eroding it? It's just a good, good way to measure that because it can influence your heart little by little, drip by drip, slowly turning you away from Jesus on, and into and onto things of this world. So let me give you a verse to kind of to look at this too because again, this is just a good, good measuring thing for your heart. It's Psalm 101, 2 and 3. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when, excuse me, guys. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eye anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Or what you're looking at, what you're spending time on when it comes to your screens, is it worthy or worthless? It's so easy, so easy to be influenced by those things. Let me give you the last one. Verse 26, carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. The first one was how we communicate. The second one is what we look at. The third one is your way, right? It's where you go. It's where you go. Right? Sometimes the best way to avoid temptation is simply don't go to temptation. I mean, I know that sounds real practical, but a wise person avoids it. 
They don't go mess around with it, right? They're walking carefully in wisdom away from the things that are going to burn them, right? And you don't try to fight temptation on your own. If you're trying to fight temptation when you get to it, game over. That's why I love, it's this idea that you're carefully considering your path. And as you do the Lord, right, all your ways will be established. He's helping you, guiding you, walking straight ahead. Right, earlier in Proverbs 4, here's what he says. He says, do not enter the path of the wicked, verse 14, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Get away from it. Like a gazelle running from a lion. Sprint away. Don't mess with it. A wise person does not go and go, oh, I think on my own strength I can defeat this. Because you know what? You can't. So don't go near it. Look at at its root, at its root, sin feeds on these diversions and away from God. And so you don't mess around with it. You don't mess around with it. So let me get back to my original question this morning. This morning, how's your heart? How's your heart? Are you guarding it? Are you intentionally guarding your, your heart? Are you being watched for? Are you standing firm? Are you paying attention? Or are you allowing the things that you look at or the way you speak or where you go shape you toward the things of this world? See, here's the thing. The things of this world are tempting, but they don't compare to the beauty of God. Wisdom states that as we guard our hearts, practically since life flows from it, Right? We're going to be careful in all those areas of our life. Here's the thing. Those are all good things to measure. And true wisdom says, do not go down that path. But true wisdom is also not a technique. It's not. True wisdom is not a technique that helps us make those wise choices. No, true wisdom is having the character, the character, remember your heart, the character to guide you. And the only way you have true character, the character that God made you and I to be, is to be with Jesus. See, it's Jesus that shapes us more than anything else. As we gaze into the beauty of who Jesus is, those things naturally start to happen. Naturally, we start being convicted when we don't do those things, and we start turning away from the ways we used to be and turning toward the ways of Christ. It's what Proverbs 4.18 says. It states the path of the righteous is like, is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until day, right? With Jesus, your life is brighter and brighter and brighter. It's, it's just going to continue to get brighter, and without him, this is as bright as it ever will be. So let me close with this. If the heart is the central control of who we are and our words and our eyes and our feet can influence us, 
Because we know if we gaze at an object long enough, what it can do is it can start to grab our attention, right? It can start to capture our attention and then start to shape our heart. Then we need to best guard from that by remembering one thing, the gospel. It's the gospel that changes us, right? The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. It's the gospel. There's a place in the book, Life of Pi, I don't know if any of you have ever read this book, where the narrator, who is, who is Hindu, asks the Christian in the book, is a guy named Father Martin, if Jesus really died for our sins. And he said, yeah, he did. And the author just can't, he, the, the narrator can't get it. He can't, he just, he's like, I just don't understand. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling me that the Son of God, the Son of God has tasted death forever in his mouth. That the Trinity must be tainted by it. That there must be certain, a, a certain stench of death at the right hand of the Father? Like, man, the horror must be real. Like, I just don't understand it. Why would God himself do this? And Father Martin looks at the narrator and says one word. Love. Love is why. It's love. That the gospel is love. It reminds us of the love of Christ. Because... Jesus doesn't just clean up our heart. He actually gives us a new one. We were made as a new creation. When I heard that story, it reminded me of one in my own life. Last May, I got a call from Katie, and she said, hey, I just want to let you know, Tyler had a hard day at school, and honestly, we're not one of those parents that thought, um, oh, man, what, what happened to him? My first thought was, what did he do? <laughs> and she said, come home and we'll talk about it. What happened was that there was a boy in Tyler's class who was having a hard day and he just was triggered and he went off and he took a stool and he went to hit Tyler who was sitting on the ground coloring with the stool. And as he went to do that, the teacher stepped in and he hit the teacher to the point where the teacher had all these bruises and it really shook Tyler up. And that night, we, we, we talked to him about it, and, and we sent him to school the next day. And later that day, the teacher that was in the classroom went up to Katie, and she said, I got to tell you something. I, I checked on Tyler this morning, and you know what he said? He said, hey, that boy that hurt or tried to hurt me, I feel bad for him because his heart must be hurting. That boy that tried to hurt him had a also had a hard life like Tyler and Paige. He'd been in foster care and, and, and been in and out of homes. And Tyler said, you know what? That used to be my story. I used to have anger like that too. I used to want to hurt people. I used to want to hit people like that. And you know what? I don't have to do that anymore because I am loved. It's the story he reminded himself of the love he now has because he had been adopted and he belongs. Guys, that's the story of us and Jesus. 
May we never forget that. That's where true wisdom comes from. That's how we do all those other things, is we remind ourselves of the gospel, that he gives us wisdom. And as we remind ourselves in who we are in Jesus, not only does he heal us, he really does make us a new creation. Let me pray. God, thank you so much, so much for the good news of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you really did finish it. As Billy said earlier, that there is nothing we have to fear. The grave is empty. The victory is won. And so, Lord, I just pray, I just pray that if if people are here this morning and their hearts are heavy, they're burdened, life is hard, may they be encouraged by who they are in Jesus. Lord, that's the best news any of us can have. And ultimately, that is where true wisdom comes. So thank you, God, for that beautiful, wonderful gift. It is in the power and the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.